All right, good morning, everyone. Can you hear me in the back? All right, good. I'll try to use my preaching voice. I'm very soft-spoken, though. That's how God made me. It's weird that I'm a preacher. I've had to really push my voice to the limit sometimes. What a beautiful day. All right, hallelujah. I, it's not quite, I was going to wear my City Love t-shirt because of what I'm preaching on today, but it's too cold. When you're an old man, you get cold easy. Well, today is uh, it's the beginning of a brand new series we're calling Love Letters. And it's going to be a little different, but I want you to kind of understand where I'm going with this. This is going to run through April and May. Each week we'll be doing a message that is essentially a spiritual love letter to those in specific people groups kind of in and around our city who for one reason or another uh, don't know Jesus or just haven't come into a relationship with Christ yet. So these messages really aren't geared toward you who follow Jesus. I'm assuming most of you follow Jesus already, but I believe that they will minister to you in a sort of indirect way. So I hope you understand uh, that, that idea and where I'm going with this. Let's pray. Jesus, I, I just ask that today that you would speak through me and that your heart especially would, would come through. Uh, Lord, you love this city. You love the people in this city. You love people who don't know you. Uh, Lord, your word says it's not your will for any to perish. You long for every single person to come to you and to be reconciled to you. And so I pray that you would use this message today to further that great purpose of your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. So this letter, really message, but this letter today goes out to the many wonderful artists in the city and around the city who I love so much. Particularly, I'm speaking to those who do not attend church and do not identify yourselves as Christians. You may not know me personally, but perhaps you can think of me as a friendly voice in the wilderness. I'm a pastor who has advocated for artists for over 20 years in Providence. Maybe you don't trust pastors. Maybe you don't listen to pastors. Maybe you don't like pastors. I get it, but I ask you, beg you to just hear me out. I'm using the term artist in a broad sense for people who are involved in the arts or who love art. In some ways, I think all human beings are artists. If you've ever taught four and five-year-olds, uh, you quickly realize that all of them are endowed with abounding creativity, right? In different ways, maybe not 
drawing, but with all kinds, they make things up, they imagine things, they're good at it. We're kind of created to be creative. But as they get older, there are only certain ones who identify as artists. They may be the painters and sculptors, photographers, filmmakers, musicians, dancers, writers, architects, designers, and so on. While I do think all people are created by God to be creative, it does seem that God himself has set apart certain people to excel in the arts. There's an interesting verse found in the book of Exodus where God is talking to Moses about a certain person named Bezalel and says this about him. I have filled him with the spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge in all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting stones for setting and in carving wood, to work in every craft. That's Exodus 31, verses 3 to 5. To work in every craft. Have you ever met somebody like that who just, they're just good at anything they kind of put their hands to? They're just crafty. They're, they're just talented at that. I remember a uh, long time ago when uh, my, one of my good friends who introduced me to Christ, actually, his name is Doug, and I remember he didn't play guitar at all. He's an incredible visual artist. And he just picked up the acoustic guitar. And I had been playing guitar for years. And he was probably better than me after playing for like six months. Just because all of his visual artistic ability just translated quickly right into his music. But some people are just made by God in that way. But artists aren't just technically skilled at making art, they tend to look at the world in unique ways. They see beauty in everything. They expose the evils of their generation and challenge the powers that be. They cause us to question things. They provoke us to think about the most important philosophical and moral questions of the human race. Artists, at their best, function like prophets. And they do make the world a more beautiful place. We need artists. Now, because I'm not an artist by vocation, I'm a pastor. I guess I'm shy about identifying as an artist, but I do love to play electric guitar. I'm not great, but I'm okay. And I paint. I'm not very good, but I love to paint. I do these abstract paintings once in a while. And I love, love to write. I love to create things in the kitchen. Again, I'm not any great chef, but I do love to just see what I can come up with in the kitchen. I love art. When I was a kid, I, I spent countless hours uh, sculpting cities of sand in my giant sandbox in the backyard. And I was always creating forts with every blanket I could find in the house. My daughter would call this pillow fort architecture. Art was always my favorite class in school, and I've always found it pretty easy to talk with artists. I'm also married to a photographer, and both of my daughters work in the art field, design and architecture, and the church that I pastor is filled with artists. I'm just saying this to express how much I personally just love 
art and adore artists. I've prayed for the artists in my city more than any other people group. When I started Renaissance Church, I wanted to create a place where artists would feel at home, really where everyone would feel at home, but especially that artists would feel at home because they don't always feel welcome in some churches. It's hard enough being an artist, you know, in this world. Artists often don't make a lot of money. Uh, they are often misunderstood, viewed as misfits. Many artists are sort of tortured souls who live with an almost constant angst and discontent. They are feelers who carry the sorrows of the world. But God wants to give them rest in his arms and in his family. Since I started Renaissance Church in the early 2000s, I've had the privilege of getting to know many artists in the city. Uh, especially in the earlier years, we started a little nonprofit art venue called Westside Arts. And during that season, especially the first five years of the church, we really just met hundreds of artists, visual artists, a lot of musicians, uh, filmmakers. So I've had a lot of conversations with artists about God, about, you know, just how they think about the world, what they think about death. And I find that artists are certainly not all the same in how they think about God. Uh, for example, some just didn't really think much about God um, at all. They were just kind of caught up in the here and now and focused on maybe whatever their craft was. Uh, some were curious about God, but had almost no knowledge at all of the Christian faith. Those were great conversations, just sort of introducing them to the gospel of Jesus. I have found a lot of artists grew up with a very negative experience of Christianity that they abandoned as young adults. Actually, I, I kind of fit into that category somewhat. I don't recall meeting a single atheist. Now, I'm sure there are atheist artists, but it seems like most artists are so in tune with the wonder of creation that they believe that there must be a creator. It's interesting, as part of the process of preparing for my ministry years ago, I had to, sort of mandated, I guess, I was required, I had to take this very lengthy personality test, I guess, to see if I was emotionally stable enough to pastor a church. Um, <laughs> long test. I've, it was like hundreds of questions. I can't remember the name of the test or the details, but I do remember that I scored highest in the creative category. And the counselor who I had a two-hour conversation with who reviewed the test results with me said this was very atypical because ministers tend to score actually lowest in that particular category of creativity. And it was an epiphany moment for me when it just kind of explained why I often struggled through the years to fit in to the kind of the minister circle. I never really felt like I was cut from that cloth, but I know God has called me to be a pastor. But it also explained something even more problematic. 
artists and pastors don't always see eye to eye. Because the pastor is the leader of the church, he or she sets the culture, which can often, not always, but often be very black and white. You know, there's an answer for every question. There's no room for gray. The environment feels tidy. Everyone is indirectly taught to smile and be shiny. And this results in kind of a spiritual and relational shallowness. Art is viewed as wild and dangerous, and it's sort of jammed into a tiny, sanctified little box. The whole environment can be very suffocating for an artist. That's why artists have struggled to find churches. There are good churches out there. Now, when I became a Christian, just to give you a little bit of my experience, as a young adult, I was immersed in the art world, especially music. I played music constantly. That's all I wanted to do when I grew up was be a rock star. But I was told right at the beginning that all secular music was evil. Evil! Okay, well, I didn't know what to do. I guess I had to throw out all of my, I'm going to start crying even saying this, all of my CDs and vinyl records I loved electric guitar, but I was told that that was evil too. So I gave away my beautiful black Telecaster, Fender Telecaster, to a friend. I've never seen it since. I was told movies were evil, so I didn't even own a TV. For many years, the churches I attended and kind of the Christians around me quenched and crushed anything creative in me. Because I really love God, I just kind of endured this. But I was sort of miserable in, in a certain aspect. I was happy in God and growing in my relationship with God, but I was kind of like miserable because I feel like I'm made by God to create stuff. You know, that's like who I am. And we're supposed to, you know, move into the full expression of who we were created to be. But that was being very stifled by the Christian communities, at least that I was a part of. You know, my story is mildly sad. But for many, this problem of Christians discouraging artists is more serious because it drives them away from Christianity. Now, there are other things, too, if I can just be honest here that make artists very apprehensive about even considering Christianity. Like the constant stream of cheaply made Christian products or what some call, very fittingly, Jesus junk. I'm talking about bad Christian art sold at Hobby Lobby or Walmart poorly written books, music that is 30 years behind and has as much flavor as an unsalted matzo bread, movies, I'm not even going to comment on Christian movies. There are some really good ones, but many are embarrassing. And then there's the whole 
realm of bumper stickers and Jesus hats and t-shirts and just this whole enterprise of cheap, thoughtless Jesus products is so repulsive that many artists can't even imagine being identified as a Christian artist. I'm convinced that much of this junk is actually made by people posing as Christians who just want to get rich. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Nevertheless, it pushes artists away. And that breaks my heart. I do want to say that this Jesus junk movement is sort of a newer thing and has not at all been the case for the last 2,000 years. I mean, much of the great art, literature, and music that has shaped culture in nations where Christianity has spread was created by men and women of faith. And I would say, too, that there is a lot of really incredible art that Christians are making today. You just have to kind of search for it because it's not always in the mainstream. The sad reality is that many artists believe in God and are curious about Christ, but are repelled by church people. And I I understand this. I, I really do understand this. If I didn't start my own church, I'm just being honest here, I think I would struggle to find a church that I'd fit into well. I mean, I could probably do any church, just, you know, behave, but... After a while, I just start asking questions. That's what I do. I ask way too many questions. I don't like simplistic answers. I think there's a lot of mystery and wonder to God. And I think the Bible doesn't really answer everything that we want to know. It doesn't always make sense. It bothers me, too, when Christians tell me to just be happy. I'm not happy all the time. And I need a church that can deal with that. But even as I express all this, I'm sure some Christians would say I'm being way too critical and negative. But I'm saying it because it needs to be said for the sake of artists who don't feel welcomed in churches. I want artists to know that it is true that, yes, there are a lot of dysfunctional things about the modern church in North America. I'd be a liar to pretend that all is wonderful and all churches will receive artists with open arms. I'm saying this to artists because I don't want you to discount Jesus just because you feel like you wouldn't fit into the mainstream church scene. Start with Jesus. He's perfect. He loves art and he loves artists and he'll lead you to the right church that you'll feel at home in. There are many wonderful churches filled with artists in in every city, at least in North America, but you just have to search for them. But I'm probably getting ahead of myself a little bit since I'm speaking to artists, right, you know, who don't identify as Christian. The whole reason I'm writing this letter is to encourage you to rethink the Christian faith if you've already concluded that it's not for you. You know, have you ever thought about why you don't embrace the Christian faith? Some of the things I mentioned above, you know, just about the toxicity of of Christians and and just church 
culture, uh, certainly play into the apprehension of artists to identify with Jesus, but let's go a little bit deeper. If you are an artist, you are likely immersed in the art community where there are certain unspoken leaders. They may be professors at college, authors, successful artists, even people in your smaller immediate circle that you look up to. What do they typically say about the Christian faith? Now, I realize that some may be people of faith, but the majority tell us that Christianity is outdated. Christians are narrow, bigoted. They are a threat to our collective vision of a peaceful society and things like this. I've noticed most serious artists don't care that much about being popular with the mainstream, but they care deeply about fitting in with their peers and being respected by the artists they look up to. So these harsh criticisms of Christianity, of, you know, from the people that, you know, they kind of admire, sometimes push artists away from exploring the Christian faith. Now, I have to say this, that many of these criticisms are valid. They are, in fact, so valid that when you read the scriptures, you find the prophets and Jesus himself vented even more severe criticisms against religious people who disregarded the poor, acted like hypocrites, and made a mockery of sacred things. It's okay to feel some disgust over the way certain Christians behave. My point is to not throw Jesus and all of Christianity out the window because some who claim to follow Jesus don't represent him well. Consider how Jesus spoke against those who were the renowned religious authorities of his day. He said this, this is from the Gospel of Matthew. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones in all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. That's coming from Jesus, gentle and mild, right? We are also taught in this generation that all religions are essentially the same. That we should just accept and embrace all worldviews and lifestyles as good. We are told what's true for you may not be true for someone else. Anyone who claims that their religion is the only true religion is and occult, and dangerous. You get the idea. These are the things that we've been told, almost brainwashed from birth to believe. But let's get philosophical for a moment. This whole way of thinking doesn't make sense. Let's say there are three guys who each believe something different. One believes that there is no God Another one believes that there is an almighty God who created everything. And then a third person believes that 
the universe was made and is governed by a council of 10,000 fairies. Let's just use some common sense. All three cannot be true. It is an impossibility. Now, it is possible that none are true, but all three cannot be true. So we have to get rid of this foolish notion that all the different religions in the world are good and true. They cannot be. The more important question is whether truth can be known or if all religions and worldviews are just speculation. Whether churches are welcoming to artists or not is perhaps not the important issue. The real question is whether Jesus Christ is really the Son of God who gave himself for the sins of the world and was risen from the dead. Did this really happen? That's the real question to consider. The message of the Bible is essentially that all people have sinned against God in some way, you know, that we're all guilty. Most people agree with that. Uh, nobody says they're perfect. It teaches that Christ, who is the second person of the triune God, came to earth to willingly subject himself to torture and crucifixion for one reason, to take the punishment we deserve. He died in our stead, and all who place their trust in Christ will live forever. All who reject Christ will be separated from him forever. That's the basic gospel message, the message of Jesus in the word of God. But is it true? That's the question. If it's not true, then by all means, don't embrace it. Why embrace a fairy tale? Now at 21, when I started thinking about Christianity more seriously, I was very opposed and very skeptical at first. I wasn't just going to believe this because people were telling me it's true. Everyone says their thing is true. Plus, I really didn't like the moral ethics of Christianity. It would mean no sex before marriage, no drug use, and just sitting around like a goody two-shoe uh, reading the Bible, and I just wasn't excited about that at all. But I was just torn. If this is true, man, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm going to embrace it, even if it meant I'd live the most boring life in the world. So I was reluctant, to say the least, to become a Christian, but I made a decision to start thinking about it. I read the Bible a little slowly. I could feel my heart just softening and kind of getting more open to doing whatever God wanted me to do. And as I was walking down the street about midnight in Springfield, Mass., the power of God came upon me, and I just started weeping, started bawling my eyes out. And I could feel almost all of the darkness flush out of me, almost like the tears were flushing my heart clean, my burden of guilt lifted. I suddenly found myself talking with my creator all day long. I was a terrible drug addict at the time. I never touched a drug again. That was over 30 years ago. Just broke the power of addiction in my life. And I've never looked back. So I can't prove to anyone that Christ is the truth. 
All I can do is testify to what happened and say, it's real. So my encouragement to artists who aren't sure about Jesus is this. Search it out for yourself. Don't let the culture, don't, don't let anyone tell you what to believe about God. You have to figure that out. We're all going to stand before God one day, and we're not going to have all of our friends there, and, well, he told me this, and she told me that, the culture told me this. We're going to be there just before God. Don't let anybody tell you what to believe. Read the Bible for yourself. And by the way, start in the New Testament, not the Old Testament. Go directly to the source. In other words, go straight to God. But you say, well, I don't really know God. I don't know how to talk to God. I'm not on talking terms with God. Don't worry about that. You know in your heart that there is a God. I mean, just look out at the stars. Look at the sky. Look at, the, look at a newborn baby. I mean, look at this incredible, beautiful world that we live in. There is a God. There is an intelligent designer behind it all. Just start talking to him and just tell him, I don't know you. I'm not sure who you are. I'm not sure about Christianity. Can you show yourself to me? And I believe he will. Now, I don't want to give the impression that you can just tell God what to do, and he'll do it like he's a genie in the bottle. One thing I've learned about God is that we cannot come on our own terms. When Jesus walked the earth, his most basic message from town to town was repent and believe the gospel. Maybe you've heard that. Repent and believe. Real simple. To believe isn't just an intellectual belief, but it's a, it's a clinging to Christ, following him, putting your whole life in his hands. Repentance, to repent just simply means to turn. It's a 180-degree turn away from sin and a turn toward God. It's a change of mind. God will certainly help us to repent and believe, but he won't do it for us. That's our part. That's our part. Here's what happens. When you begin to yield to God, and by the way, God desires all people. This is nobody that's disqualified. There's nobody who's sinned too much. There's nobody who's, I don't even if somebody's murdered countless people, have done the worst crimes of humanity. This is what the grace of God is all about. The arms of Christ are open wide. And he doesn't want anybody to, to perish. He, he's inviting everyone and will forgive anyone. But this is what happens when we yield our lives to God we experience what is called the new birth. The Holy Spirit comes upon you and he walks with you. He guides you. He comforts you. He reveals the glory of Christ. Again, I wish I could explain these things. I don't exactly know how it happens. It's not just like reading a book and understanding a little, you know, like when you're in school, you read, read a chapter of a book a few times and you kind of, now I kind of understand. It's not like that. The Holy Spirit sort of opens the curtain and enables you to just kind of see something of the beauty and the splendor and the majesty of who Jesus is. I don't know how he does that, but I know that he does that because he's done it to me. 
He opens your eyes. And you'll, you'll just want to see more. Once you taste the goodness and gaze upon the beauty of Christ, you will realize that there is nothing in this world that compares to God. Your heart will be strangely warmed and a fire of devotion will be kindled. King David in one of the Psalms says this, One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. I, I honestly thought when I began following Jesus that the Christian life was going to be really boring. But, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't want to, like, miss out on eternal life and go to heaven and all that. So I just, I was like, all right, well, this is what I have to do. You know, I'm going to just sign up for the boring Christian life. But listen, I've discovered that God himself is an artist and he created us to create. His kingdom is a creative wonderland that will expand and bloom for eternity. Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn us or to restrict us. He came to set us free and to give us the life that is truly life. There's a psalm, I think it's Psalm 16. I, don't quote me on that. I could be wrong. But it says this, in his presence is fullness of joy. Now, I'm not saying that following Christ is a piece of cake. Christians suffer just like all people suffer. But having an intimate relationship with the creator of the universe who inspires us to live with creativity and imagination is like nothing else in this world. I've experienced a lot of pleasures in life, but none compare to being in the presence of God and hearing his whispers of love. Dear artist, be reconciled to God. Come home. I want to ask you guys to uh, stand with me, and we're just going to pray for our city. And we're going to pray for the many artists in our city. They call Providence the creative capital. This is, in many ways, a hub for artists of all kinds. And many of them, many of them just, as I often say, they think Christianity is something very different than what it is. They think it's something negative and ugly, and they don't realize that it's good. Uh, let's pray right now that that the artists in our city will taste and see that the Lord is good. Lord, you know this whole city. You know every, every person. I'm sure you can see uh, into art studios and little apartments where artists are maybe right now making music or writing a spoken word piece or working on a film or even just sitting having a coffee thinking of, a new idea of something to, to make. 
Lord, thank you for the many artists in this city. Lord, I pray that you would just love them, show them your love, reveal Christ to them. Lord, sometimes it's hard to even talk with them or bring up things about uh, Jesus because they have so many misconceptions or even strong feelings against it, and it just makes it so hard to even, even talk with them. But, Lord, I pray that you would open up hearts. I, I pray that they would not miss out on the life that is truly life. I pray that you would just pour out your goodness upon them. Lord, I know that artists are often feelers, and I know they're thinkers too, deep thinkers, but many of them just need to kind of feel it. Lord, I pray that you would just cut through even all of the questioning and all of the skepticism that they have and just all their misunderstandings about it, all of their complaints about the way Christians are. Lord, I pray that you just cut through all of that and just love them, embrace them. God, just lavish them with your love. God, that's my biggest prayer for them. I just feel like if they could feel the love of God streaming through them, as you've done for so many of us, Lord, just that when your love comes and we're like, for me, I just cry and, and just the presence of God is there and I just feel so loved by the creator of the universe. Lord, that, that experience is, it's just incredible. It's like nothing else. Lord, I pray that, that, that many in this city, God, that you would just give them that experience. Lord, show them the truth. Reveal Christ to them, God. I pray that they would open up to the word of God. I pray that they would just say, you know what? I'm just going to do this for myself. I'm going to look into the Word for myself. I pray that they would just go into the book and that they would be strangely warmed and the fire of God would burn inside of them. Lord, I pray for a movement of artists who love Christ in this city. Thank you for the artists in this city who do love God. There's many of them. But Lord, I pray that it would grow. I pray that it would expand. I pray especially for those artists who are the kind of tortured souls. Lord, I think about artists who, have, who are suicidal. I think of some of them who are painfully lonely. God, I pray that you would just raise them out of that darkness. Give them brand new life, God. Resurrection life. God, show them the life that is truly life. Show them the beauty of Christ, and that you, Jesus, are the source of all creativity and imagination. Captivate their hearts, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening, guys. Say hi to each other, socially distanced fashion on your way out, but thanks for listening. Thanks for coming today. Love you.